This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eat. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. For me to succeed, other people have to fail, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Other people doing well is bad because, (laughs) because it makes me feel like I'm doing less well. This is the infantile, like, internal monologue that it's always like, yeah, I remember when I used to feel like that. But there is a very embarrassing part of me that still arises, um, especially in, like, award season of, like, oh, fucking other people succeeding is the same as me <laughs> failing. <laughs> and it does, it does stick ever so much. Shag, I'm now a 1,000 years old on my count. Will this ever go away and is it all social media's fault? It kind of is. You know, if if I take a step aside from our usual topics of mm. of hip-hop, burning down capitalism yes. and horror movie exposure therapy, I work in advertising mm. and I'm active on advertising LinkedIn and people use advertising LinkedIn for three purposes. Yes. The first is sharing that they've got a new job somewhere. Okay. Really excited to start as a content director at Blogsy Magoo Advertising. Yep. Yeah. The second is the usual, this thing happened and I'm sharing like a life lesson about it. So sharing a personal story and then a life lesson about how it affected. But the main thing people share is all the awards they've won. So like probably 50% of advertising LinkedIn posts are like really chuffed that we won gold in the you know, the sword awards or whatever. Like, because there are just there are just so many awards in advertising. And when you see that content every day, it's hard not to feel like you're failing because you're constantly being bombarded with people telling me telling you telling me, but telling you how much they're succeeding. So like yes, it is all it is all social media's fault. If you are feeling like you're less than or you're a failure mm. because of other people's success, it's social media's fault. But it's always been around because if we go back to the Bible, the point of the story the, prodigal, <laughs> the historical text, yes, yes, I'm with you. The historical text of the Bible, whether you believe yeah. in God or not, and I'm at the point where I probably don't, but I don't mind if you do. There's a parable in the Bible about the prodigal son. And people often think <laughs> prodigal No, no, but this is true, right? People think prodigal, I, I, I know the prodigal son. I'm yeah, fascinated but, to hear where this is going. But people okay. think the word prodigal means they came back. And that's how people use it in popular culture. But prodigal it's means... It's a religion, isn't it? Yeah. No, no. It just means like they went out and spent heaps of fucking money. So the whole point <laughs> the whole point of that story, right, is a farmer has... It's also super patriarchal in that women basically don't exist in the Bible. Or if they are, they're like Jesus's mother or they're his prostitute. Like there's, there's, no, there's no in between. But anyway, so in this parable, this farmer has two sons... And he's like, I got heaps of cash. You'll have it when I die, but fuck it. Why not have it now? 
So one of them stays to help look after the farm, but the other one <clears> goes out and just parties and runs out of money, comes back, and uh, like the, the dad's the, like, the, and like comes back to be like, you know what? I know I spent all your money. I know I'm a failure, blah, blah, blah. I'll work in like the pig stalls to like for the rest of my life. I'm so sorry. I'm like, whatever. And the dad's like, no way. You're my son. You came back. I'm going to give you a big party. And at the end, the other son is like, hey, like I stayed around and did all this work. You're throwing a party for this guy. Like what the fuck? And the point of that whole parable is supposed to be like, you shouldn't feel bad about other people's success. Like you shouldn't feel bad. Like you shouldn't take oh, it personally. I'm the son. When someone, yes, okay. yeah. I'm the son who stayed and was loyal. And I'm sitting here saying I paid the fucking loyalty tax yeah. by staying around. And this fucking idiot, yeah, spent all the money. Yeah, yeah, right. So the point of the prodigal son is the fact that you shouldn't feel bad if someone else gets celebrated, right? Or at least that's how it was explained to me. And I really like that. So clearly that's a thing that's oh, been going. God. For a long fucking time before social media, social media has just exacerbated it. That's a that's a fabulous like analogy, right? The versions of that I get at work are related to the legal stuff I do. It's either um, some rich old white bloke fucked around with his financial affairs and then died, leaving his wife to mop up. And that's often like that's like a two or three times a year one of that comes in, and rich old white guys really fucked it up, and so wife has to deal with all these various companies. Well, the alternate one is rich old white farm-owning dad tricks at least one child to come back and work on the farm. And it's like, don't worry, I'll stay owning it. But you're like, yeah, just work on the farm and we'll, yeah, like, we'll, like, we'll, we'll be, you know, like we'll, everything will be fine if you do that. So just come and work for free or work for minimum wage and then it'll, it'll, it'll come out in the wash. And so... Like I, I'm there with the prodigal sons, like <laughs> obedient sibling, <laughs> to be like, look at all the money I saved, Shag. But I love that you flipped the script to be like, hey, relax, prodigal son, getting some money is not you losing money. It's not a zero sum game. Exactly. It's the point of like you shouldn't attribute another person's like success or good fortune or being lauded as having really anything to do with you and your journey. Which mm. is probably a little bit capitalistic, so I've got to be a little bit wary of that. Oh, yeah, in right? fact, because yeah, the corollary <laughs> is like, them being poor is not my fault. Like, that's, just, that's just happening. It just happened. I happened to be the prodigal one who got all the benefits, and that's, that's fine. They're fine with it. They're like they they know that me having all this stuff isn't isn't their problem. There, everyone's relaxed. Yeah, okay. This has been an interesting detour for the start of mm. this episode, but here's what I actually want to talk about. So, yeah. Music does come into our podcast quite a bit, usually yes. hip-hop, but one of the bands that were part of our formative years, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, oh, yeah. have come back with a new single and I'm in love with it. I love it oh, so good. much. They, like Maps, Maps was the one that went mad, wasn't it? Yeah, Maps was and yeah. still is probably their biggest song. And yeah, it's, okay. I've, I've gone back and read reviews of that album this week and people talking about it like it's this miraculous song. Everyone who hears Maps for the first time is like, this is an interesting class. Oh, that, that's the way they don't love, love you. Love, like I love, love you. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. They then yeah, got sick. interpolated by Diplo and Ezra Koenig. Ooh, sick. In Beyonce's Hold Up. Like, you know how it has that chorus? Oh. It's like, hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Step love down, you. Oh, they don't yeah, love you like I love, love you. Like oh, my God. Right, right, right. Like, Yeah. Oh, my God, that is sick. It's had a formative influence on pop culture. But anyway, mm. yeah, yeah, it's back with this song. 
It's called Spitting Off the Edge of the World. I find Karen O, lead singer from the AES lyrics, quite abstract. And so I've, I've had to go to a bunch of other people to work out what's going on in this song. But it really does feel like she's talking about the fact that we've just fucked the world so much that there's kind of no hope for kids growing up now. And... <laughs> And it starts with the most amazing opening line I've heard in a song for a while. It starts with her saying, cowards, here's the sun, so bow your heads. Magic. Almost in a way to be like, you've been avoiding this so long, but there's going to be a point where you can't avoid the effects of climate change. And it's going to be you who has to bow before it to be like, we fucked up, we failed, right? It's right up there with allow me to reintroduce myself. <laughs> My name is. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is also a phenomenal opening line. But, 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 right? So mm. this song is not just about that. It's 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 mm. sort of this almost like in the event of this, we can still rebel. Like maybe our rebellion means fuck all, but we can still rebel. Yeah. And like hence the chorus of we're spitting off the edge of the world. It's this element of like it's not do- like it's not doing anything, but we're, we're still standing defiant in yeah, this. Nice. In this unfair world we've been born into, right? And what that, what, why this relates? Why are we talking about I'm this? Is, yeah, and, why, yeah. and why it weirdly relates to what you were talking about at the start is we talk about the true purpose of this podcast because all great art, and I, yes. I, I'm just going to fucking call it Spooko is art. Spooko. It's great art. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Spooko is great <laughs> art. I, I, I avoided that, but fuck it. Spooko is great art. But the point of Spooko, mm. it starts out with this purpose of trying to get you over your fear of horror films. And that's mm. very much a theme of this podcast, right? Yes. You know, it went into being about, well, is this about dismantling capitalism and the patriarchy? And, you know, that's definitely elements of it. But what I actually think this podcast is about, oh, and, I, yeah. and, and it was only unlocked <laughs> when, when I listened to this song, is that we're at this point where... We're all tiny parts of this 8 billion person machinery. We're all tiny cogs. And the best we can do is just make fun stuff with our friends. Like oh. the one thing we can do right now by spinning off the edge of the world, we can just make a part. And it's like, I want, like, I, I want this to be like, I want you to go and make a fun podcast with your friend or make something with your friend. I'm right, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to do more stuff. I'm already contributing. It's awesome. And I get social media make you feel like a fucking failure. And I always, like my whole life, I feel like a failure. I'd speak to therapists about how, the underlying thing that drives me is I genuinely feel like a failure 90% of the time, right? But the purpose of everything right now, where we are, let's just make fun stuff with our friends because we are spitting off the edge of the world right now. This is like a pendulum. This is like a pendulum, right, Like Shag? And you'll, 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 you'll appreciate this. Like I arrived today in the frame of mind I told you and I was explaining to colleagues earlier in the week that I was in a room full of eminent lawyers and I was comfortably the best lawyer in the room. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, except probably the judges. And I was like, yeah, okay, except the judges, I'm the best lawyer in the room. And I was like, oh, probably the barristers are pretty good. I was like, yeah, except for them. <laughs> and so, so I'm with you with the pendulum swing. of like, yeah, look the fuck out, the greatest of all time, with just a couple of little qualifications. I'm there for the pendulum to swing and to spit off the edge of the world with this, on this podcast with you. It's fun. So today we mm. are doing sunshine. No, no. Today no. we <laughs> no. Today this feels kind of fitting. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a 2021 thriller film by M Night Shyamalan 
called old. Wow, you believe I found this online? Well, I guess it's not that secret abuse. Who would leave this? From the hotel! They're so rusted! What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. I don't know. What happened to her? Her body has decomposed. How quickly can that happen? Seven years. But she just died. Wait, where are the kids? Transcara! Come here! Hey, have you seen my children? Mom? I'm, I'm right here. Why are you looking at me like that? What's happening to us? My daughter just turned six two weeks ago. Mom! Whatever's happening to us is happening very fast. You have wrinkles. There's something wrong with this beach. What's happening? Blacking out going this way. If she makes it to the ledge, she might have a chance. Why is she stopping? Why is she stopping? Kara, wake up! Wake up! They have to know what this place does. I don't know! You're lying! Look! What is that? A message. We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. We're connected to something bigger. Oh no. We're here for a reason. Uh, allow me to reintroduce <laughs> myself. My name is Super Brave Peach. Yes, I would watch that. That looks scary and fun. Let's go. I weirdly found this one of the more scary films I've seen in a while. Like, I know this is an odd choice for Spooko, but I actually mm. found this chilling and terrifying. It's a like it's a great idea, right? Like, and I do feel like, and I'm, of course, I can't conjure up any examples, but just the straight up and down fear of death, like just the, just just the straight up and down, we're all heading in one direction. Hopefully, it doesn't arrive too fast. Uh, it's it's just thematically really good and really universal. Is M Night Shyamalan back on his bullshit, Chag? So I've recently discovered it's M Night Shyamalan. Is how it's pronounced. Well, no, 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 but, but, like... I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, but this is this is something that's really interesting, right? So mm. you have a really difficult last name, Dapache. Mm. I, I imagine people get it wrong. Often. Yeah, they add an S. It's really weird. There's a lot of despise going around, which is really weird. <laughs> do people, once they know they get it wrong, do people make an effort to try to learn how to say it? I tend to, because people just avoid using it, and so I tend to paper over it to be like, oh, it's old crazy surname. <laughs> just call me Smithy or like whatever. Like you tend to try to appease people's discomfort with it. I just had a moment when I was watching this film where mm. I kind of felt like, you know, when you realise that pretty much everything that happened more than 20 years ago was hyper-racist and you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck, like every movie, every song. <laughs> like watch any movie pre 2001, and you'll be like, oh, there'll be some awful stereotype or a fat joke or something. Do like, you remember the, like, the trope of like white characters behaving in a way that you would normally identify with black culture being like, this, it's just like, oh, God. Completely God. fucked. Anyway, so, 
So I think it's crazy that when The Sixth Sense and whatever his follow-up film was, like um, uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis uh, Unbreakable. 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 I remember, and not just like with people, but in like popular culture, there were like jokes of like just not getting his name right. Like there would be jokes about like either saying it the wrong way or whatever. And I also remember up until doing this podcast, I never properly was like, actually, how do I pronounce that? Yeah. And I was like, fuck, how fucked is that? That I never put in the very simple work to be like, hang on, how do I pronounce M. Night Shyamalan? Shag, I mean, the thing you also find chilling is that there's a whole genre of humour that hopefully is, is dead and buried now, but only started dying recently of doing funny accents of people from different countries and being like, hey, guess what funny accents I can do? And and I can I can absolutely admit mm. I did that as a kid Usually and as a teenager and thought yep. it was really funny and yep. yeah like so so when I say twenty years ago I'm like I'm absolutely including myself in hugely me too know, so that is that is super important mm. so so part of me wanting to do this film as well is to be like I like I want to like I kind of want to rectify the past a little bit and cover a film that I actually really dug from this director now another thing that's really funny about that period of growing up. We went to an all-boys school mm. in the 90s and there was a bit of there was a bit of racism there as well. Shaggy you might have <laughs> <There was laughs> you a... might be surprised here. There was a little bit. There was yeah. a little bit, but also like homophobia was so fucked. And in the Oof. proper sense where you you're in an all-boys school, mm. so there's probably like a fear of admitting any sort of feelings beyond any the, other like, any otherness of any kind. Right? Like wavering from the height of the bell curve was a very risky thing to do. So I just remember how funny it was. When you were a teenage boy, you were supposed to pretend you didn't understand what a hot man looked like. So people would be like, oh, this guy's so hot. You'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what that I don't know what that means. <laughs> like maybe they're hot. I don't, yeah. I, I, there's no way I would know as a mm. as a as a heterosexual man how I would know that. Which I think is really funny because like now as like you know, hopefully a more well-rounded adult. I can say that the star of old, Gael Garcia Bernal, is probably one of the hottest men alive. He's the Itu Mama Tambien yes. young star. I'm so glad to see him getting work. It's awesome. No, he's like 50 or something. <laughs> he's, he's so old. He's, he's, a, he's like, a very good-looking dude. Yeah, hugely. He's had like two families with separate children in each. Like he's that old. Ooh, that doesn't fill me with joy. No, but I mean, like, celebrities don't, know. don't know Celebrities don't know how to have personal relationships. I get it. And also, they're surrounded by, like... I think being told you're right all the time would mm. be bad for your personal development. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Shane, that's great. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> all right. Okay, so this has been a weird intro into this film, but let's do Old. Okay, so mm. Old is a recent success for M. Night, like... He went through a bit of a mid-career slump, but this he made this for a relatively small $18 million, made $90 million off it. Critics' reviews were mixed, and I kind of agree, but I loved the tone and the idea of this so much mm. that the way that they resolve it, which is hilariously quick, and you will think it's hilariously quick, Sick. I can kind of deal with. All right, okay. So we start with Guy and Priska Kappa. Mm. So Guy is Gail, who's the father. They're going through a divorce. So to avoid saddening their young children, Maddox and Trent. And when mm. I read those names, I was like, 
How did you kids not expect your parents to get divorced with names like Maddox? Maddox and Trent. For some reason, I'm like, if your name Maddox, you're, I'm like, I'm sorry, if you're listening to this and your name Maddox, I want to know if your parents are divorced. Because it feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, and, and, and also it feels like a distinction between them of like, you got to name the first one. Like, <laughs> you know, like they're not names the same brain thought up. Like mom, <laughs> mom got to name Maddox and dad got to name Trent. Yeah, you've got like Tomato and Julian. It's like, here are my two children. <laughs> There's Tomato McMullen and Julian McMullen. <laughs> I had a friend called Mardo in year seven and he used to get bullied by being called Tomato a lot. And <laughs> he was involved in knife violence for some of the following years. So it's just a nice just another nice story about that nice okay. school. It's been it's been a really reflective episode which I haven't seen But okay, let's talk about this film. Okay, so to to dampen the effect of telling them that they're getting divorced, mm. they take Maddox and Trent to a tropical resort as a final family vacation. Gosh, that's a bad idea. I, I know. I can't, that's the stupidest, <laughs> dumbest idea I've ever heard. I really Google, Google exists. <laughs> now, at their hotel, Guy and Prisca are given complimentary drinks, which feels like a weird thing for us to talk about, you know, in a very quick synopsis, but that is important. And the children befriend the resort manager's nephew, Idlib. At night, Maddox and Trent overhear their parents arguing and play a message decoding game with Idlib. And Idlib gives them this message that they haven't been able to decode yet. Yeah, okay. All the pieces are in play in this This, game. They seem not very relevant at the moment, (laughs) but we'll just see. Okay, so the next morning, the manager invites the family to a secluded beach where three additional parties are present. Now, okay, so first of all, there's a rapper in this, in this, in this. He's a successful rapper, and I really want you to rate the name of this rapper. Okay, so his rap name is Midsize Sedan. (laughs) That's really good. Like, if you think of your sort of shit, like, good shit, um, shit rapper names, there's always Chance, of course, Chance the Rapper. And Drake has that great line of, like, yeah, if I'd left anything to Chance, I'd have a shit name like Chance the Rapper. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then your childish Gambino anecdote of, like, how he named it with, like, a Wu-Tang name designation website where it just, like, flips, like, two roulette wheels and just glues two names together <laughs> to make up your Wu-Tang um, member your Wu Tang clan clan member name and child Childish is just like yeah I just took the first one Donald Sutherland or whatever his name is it's not Donald Sutherland is Donald it? Glover Donald Glover Donald Glover fucking Donald Sutherland <laughs> um, I think Midsize Sedan is fun enough I mean you still remember when Fifty Cent came out of like man what does Fifty Cent mean like what why is it that similarly Midsize Sedan I think it's one of those names of like whoa what why are you called that that's sick and I, I could like I could totally see a track with like. Conway the Machine featuring yeah. Midsize Sedan. <laughs> Do you know what Benny I mean? The Butcher. <laughs> yeah, but, but then I can't really see Drake featuring Midsize Sedan. I can see Drake appearing on Midsize Sedan, though, like uh, as a guest spot. Ah, yeah, and it's a, it's like a underground um, single that blows up and so exactly. Drake's like, I'm going to be part of this success. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, he's not getting on a Drake record, but Drake's getting on a him record. Could you imagine his rhymes on that? He'd make so many points about being a mid-size or like being like... <laughs> What's being the like... plan? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go to a beach with mid-size sedan. Look at that. Do, 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 uh, do, okay, all right. Okay, so, so one of the parties obviously is a rapper mid-size sedan. He is with a female companion. There's a surgeon and his wife, Crystal, and their young daughter, Kara. 
and then there's Charles's mother. Uh, oh, and Charles's mother Agnes. So there's a there's a unit of a of a surgeon. There's a grandma like involved. Yeah, a, okay. a trophy wife, young daughter, and a grandma. And then there's Jaron and Patricia Carmichael, a close knit husband and wife. Now immediately, Trent discovers the corpse of mid-sized sedan's companion. Charles grows suspicious of mid-sized sedan, who reveals that he had been experiencing nosebleeds because of hemophilia. Now, now, like Wikipedia's not doing a very good job, but basically, mm. mid-sized sedan is like, I went for a swim with this girl. She went out in the water and she didn't come back, and then her body washes ashore and she's dead. And everyone's like, well, we got to keep this guy here. And mid-sized mm. sedan's like, I didn't do anything. I've just been waiting for her to come back. And he keeps getting nosebleeds, and they're like, why are you getting nosebleeds? And he's like, uh, because I've got hemophilia. Anyway, sorry, go Now, as this goes on, and I wish this Wikipedia did a better job of the chillingness of this, because I found this whole... I'm, I'm at an elevated level of anxiety. Okay, like, all right. I'm, I'm having okay. fun. Very, very good trailer. So we start to notice that mm. the children are rapidly turning into teenagers and the grandma, Agnes, suddenly dies. And the family concludes that the beach is rapidly aging them with the occupants un- undergoing the equivalent of one year of aging every 30 minutes, which is why they notice the teenagers aging rapidly, but they don't necessarily notice the adults. And they mm. notice the grandma dying because when you're super old or you're super young, an extra year, will matter. a year yeah. is huge. But when you're sort of in the middle of your life, an extra year, you don't even know what your age is. Yeah, nice. I do like. I, I do also like that they get to the thrust of the movie. Like, this is a movie about a beach that makes you grow old fast. You, you know, we're not like, hey, yeah. what's going on? Hey. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They they work it out pretty quick. And when they uh, at least they also realize that at least one member of each family has an underlying medical condition. Again, that's super important. Re- remember these things. Remember the drink okay. they were given at the start. The code. Yeah. Yeah. The, the drink. Code, all of the these sickness. things. These are all the these are all the pieces of the chess puzzle that mm. M Night Shyamalan has put in front of us in the newspaper puzzle section that we call this uh, ninety minute film. I'm with you. Great metaphor. <laughs> 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 okay, so they discover that trying to leave will result in them blacking out and waking up back to where they left because it's one of those amazing beaches. Like, you know how, like, often the best beaches involve either having to go through, like, a thicket of bushes or through a rock formation or something. Mm. It's not like you just park and you can see the beach and you walk down. It's almost Mm. like this. It's like a hidden beach. It's beautiful. So every time they try to do that, they black out and they wake up back where they left. In a fit of rage... Our surgeon, Charles, who mm. has scalpels with him because he's a so I, I guess. That's what you do, just in case. I guess surgeons just like bring like all the gear around with it if they need to do something. Did like he bring his stuff. anesthetist with him as well? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. So Charles cuts mid-sized sedan and the group watches as his injury quickly heals. After Prisca develops a stomach tumour, Charles performs a successful surgery to remove it because they notice the tumour actually growing as they speak. Oh, God. So he's like, I have to actually remove it right now. Mid-sized sedan discovers that the body of his companion... Why doesn't, why doesn't his surgical cuts in her heal extremely fast? How do you manage to conduct surgery with they someone do, who's healing they do. extremely so, fast? So, so it's not in here, but they, they have to cut it and then they have to hold it open so it doesn't properly heal. Oh, my and God. And then they pull it out. And then she heals. So, gosh, imagine if you let her get infected and she was going to die. You just like watch it in like 10 seconds flat. That'd be very upsetting. 
So mid-sized sedan discovers that the body of his companion has fully decomposed in a matter of hours. And and a matter of well, actually, I don't know how long it takes for a dead body to decompose. Seven years. Sits on the trailer. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so Kara and Trent continue to age because remember, Trent is the boy from one family and Kara is the girl from another. Kara oh, and Trent right. sort of become teenagers, continue to age, and after having sex with each other, Kara gets pregnant. She manages to give birth, and this was a very distressing scene. The baby dies because within the first three months of a baby's life, you know how much attention they need. And so you just can't, like, on a beach oh, you can't where you age, fast enough. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can't. On a beach where you age a year and half an hour, that baby doesn't have time, so the baby dies. Oh, God. Why does the mum run off during the childbirth? We saw that in the trailer. Yeah, I can't remember. Like, yeah, there's, okay. there's, a, there's a lot of things happening. Here. Sorry, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't victim blame here, Pete. I, I withdraw that. So Trent and Maddox discover the notebook of a previous traveller along with indications of them being watched. So they notice on a hill the light glint from a camera and they're like, hang on, what's going on here? The attempts to leave grow tenser when well, Charles... They're doing ageing experiments on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, the attempts to leave grow tenser when Charles the surgeon's worsening schizophrenia causes him to kill mid-sized sedan. And then, oh my God, this is, this is my favourite Wikipedia sentence in the history of this podcast. Jaron drowns, Kara falls to her death, Patricia suffers a fair, but like this all happens within, you know, half an hour or an hour. Like this isn't okay. like a sentence worth of things. But so Jaron tries to swim out and drowns. Yep. Kara tries to climb out and falls to her death. And obviously okay. she's distraught because she's just lost her child. Yep. Patricia suffers a fatal epileptic seizure. Okay. And Crystal's hyposalcemia. All right, so hyperlink. Yeah, follow that hyperlink. Let's do it. Is low calcium levels in the blood. So she's got low calcium. So because of that. Why did the baby need um, a year worth of food and no one else on the beach seems seems to need it? Well, I don't know if it's not a year worth of food, but it's just the general sort of comfort and like holding and hugging and things it needs to survive. Like a baby needs to feel safe. And Mm. I guess it just like it just doesn't have the chance to do it. Mm. And also, like, We'll get to the end and the entire premise is about to fall apart. So just enjoy the ride. Okay. Um, so th- the scariest <laughs> moment is Crystal is the trophy bride of mm. Charles mm. and can't deal with aging. So she like retreats into like a cave <sighs> with like a knife ready to attack anyone because she kind of goes insane. And they go in after her and then all of her bones just start cracking and going in different directions because of her low calcium. So she just goes like... <laughs> and eventually it's just like a cube of bones sitting on the uh, sand. That's actually pretty sick. <laughs> it's actually like the scariest, weirdest thing that I've ever seen in a horror film. It was amazing. And this is the difference between this and the mm. sadness last week where it's like, what an interesting, cool... Like, it's weird to say what a cool death, but it was, and it was interesting, and it didn't yeah. feel gratuitous, and it didn't feel gross. Oh, the sadness. I like the sadness, Jake. But anyway, sorry. All right. So, at night, Charles attacks Guy in a schizophrenic episode, but Prisca slashes him with a rusted knife, instigating a fatal blood infection that kills Charles. Yeah, so, you're okay. right there. Yeah, so, that infection. happens, mm. and then it's like it can't heal because of the infection, and then he dies. So we now have an elderly guy and Prisca who make amends before dying moments apart from each other. And it's quite like a beautiful scene where they're like, they were going to divorce, but now they're old people on the beach and they're like, you know what? 
let's just make amends with each other. It's okay. One of them admits to cheating. One of them admits to something else. They they come together and it's quite a beautiful moment. And the aliens emerge clapping, being like, <laughs> you, learned, you learned reconciliation or something? Well, no. So now there's only the middle-aged Maddox and Trent. So they were kids at the start of the film. Now they're yeah, middle-aged. Okay. And they're remaining the next morning. So they're like, let's just be kids one more time and they construct a sandcastle. While they're doing it, they remember the secret message given them by Idlib. So Trent manages to crack it now that he's an adult and he can crack things. His brain works better, I guess. And <clears throat> That's he not did- my experience of adulthood, but yes, <laughs> so I continue. And he deduces that there's an underwater coral reef and if they leave through there, they won't uh, pass out. So the problem is every time they try to escape, they pass out. They either try to swim out and they drown or whatever. But if they swim under this coral, they can make it and make it out of this beach alive. Believing that the passage will allow them to leave the beach without losing consciousness, he and his sister start swimming through the coral. After they seemingly fail to emerge from the water, a resort employee, played by M. Night Shyamalan, because he's in all his films, uh, is seen to be monitoring them from a nearby cliff and reports over a walkie-talkie that the entire group has died. He gives the news to the manager who mentions a previous incident where a guest had almost escaped from the beach before announcing that Trial 73 has officially concluded. Trial Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the reveal? Oh, am I going to be pissed off? Yeah, okay. I kind of like this, but the way it's done, this happens within like five minutes. Like they're like, oh, by the way, this is all, this is everything that was happening. So it's revealed that the resort is a front for a research team yes. from a pharmaceutical company, Warren & Warren. Oh, the drink. Yes, okay. Sorry for which is drink, yeah. conducting clinical trials of new medical drugs. Now, remember, they all had illnesses, yeah, mm. which are administered to guests with medical conditions by spiking their drinks. Since the beach naturally accelerates the lives of the guests, it doesn't explain why. It's just basically oh. like... This beach just naturally accelerates the lives of people because of I thought magnets. that's what was going to get explained. No, no, it's something to do with like the Earth's magnetic pull at that point is like super magnetic. You know when you're near a magnet and you just feel really hot. <laughs> Don't get an infection if you're near a magnet. Or it'll go badly for you. All right, the researchers lure a new group to the beach but are interrupted by Trent and Maddox who survived their underwater swim using the notebook as evidence which they gave to vacationing police officer Greg Mitchell who was at the resort. <laughs> now remember this resort is both a front for clinical trials but they also get real guests in. Like that wouldn't fuck things up completely. <sighs> That's really bizarre because how do they screen the ones with medical conditions? <laughs> oh gosh, that's really weird. That's really weird and underconceived. The researchers are mentioned to have been arrested with subpoenas sent to the rest of Warren and Warren. And then Trent and Maddox are chatting about how they, they're going to go and see their aunt. And they're like, it's going to be weird because we're going to be older than her now. And which I think is a weird thought. And that's how the film ends. Uh, that was old in 2021. <laughs> that's such a weird night to end on. To be like, yeah, I'm going to go see my aunt. It's going to be <laughs> I'm not sure that would be my takeaway from that experience. I would be like, oof, I'm used to be younger than that. No, yeah, okay. I think fabulously good um, conceit. Like I think firstly the beach where you get old fast. Like I think that's a really scary and good thing. I do feel for M. Night Shyamalan where he's like, I'm the twist guy, guys. Shyamalan. Shyamalan, I apologise. You told me that before. I apologise. I withdraw that. M. Night Shyamalan. 
I think it must be challenging to develop a reputation as the amazing twist guy to be like, okay, I've got the conceit. Oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. fuck. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, I remember The Village had a reasonably good twist of like it's just all kind of made up and it's in the contemporary times. Mm. You're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And The Sixth Sense is one of the great moments in cinema history, surely. Yeah, yeah. Um, 100%. That it's kind of... It, I often think about the tragedy of sports people, right? Shag, how would you feel if the greatest thing you ever done you did at age 29 and until you turned 70 all people wanted to talk to you about was that amazing thing you did at age 29? And I feel like there's sort of a grim tragedy in that because all you'd ever try to do would be to relate your feelings as a 29-year-old in a contextual relevant way in your 70s or 80s. And I suspect our director, M. Night Shyamalan, would sort of have that feeling too of like, yeah, you know, I know I can never quite get that magic back, but I can try to make you feel as close as I can make you feel the first time we interacted. I think there's a degree of sort of beauty and tragedy to that. You know what, though? Mm. I, I think often we put our own perspective on those experiences because for M. Night Shyamalan, apparently this film is based on, and you know what's funny, you're talking about him having to come up with that twist ending. It's based on a graphic novel that has the beach where you age rapidly but doesn't have the pharmaceutical yeah. companies yet. <laughs> and apparently it was just given to him by his son for Christmas and he was like, oh, I really like this story. I want to turn it into a film. And I think there's something really nice and a bit spinning off the edge of the world in that where it's like it's yeah. not about trying to relive a legacy. He just had a nice moment with his child and he's like, I, how can I honour this gift in the best way? I want to show you how much I appreciate this gift you've given to me. I'm going to turn it into a film. I'm a guy that can make films and release them. They'll, they'll earn $90 million. It's not like I'm like I'm not going to I'm not going to hit that same height again. But you know what? Fuck it. Like it's just nice to make stuff. It's a film that allowed him to reintroduce himself. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can, as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? And, and, and real talk in terms of painting us into a corner. I often feel like we sometimes pan us into a corner by having like really good callbacks at the end. So at, when we get to the end of every episode, I'm like, "Fuck! How do we? How do we? How do we end this? What's the? What's the?" And then, have you met your co-host? <laughs> have you met him? <laughs>